Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. It's so important that I believe in the life of our church in the current difficulties that we've been facing that we are reminded again of the generosity that God wants to develop in and through our lives. With affliction comes deeper generosity. I I know it's (laughs) counterintuitive. It's very counterintuitive. When difficult times come, we tend to circle the wagons. We tend to protect what little we have left. But the Bible is here to remind you that in times of great difficulty, you might see that God will give you a greater generous heart, not a lesser one. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another week of Abounding Grace, where we open the scriptures with Pastor Ed Taylor in search of God's abounding grace. Today we'll be covering Hebrews chapter 13 and 2 Corinthians chapter 8. When we're hit with a trial or in deep poverty, you might be tempted to think only of yourself and become tight-fisted and hold back in the giving of your time and resources. But we'll learn from a group of Christians who were just the opposite and actually generous at such a time. Maybe we can learn a thing or two from their example. All right, take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Afflictions Deepen Our Generous Hearts. Afflictions Deepen Our Generous Hearts. And in our study last time, we learned how in deep trial and pain that we're to avoid covetousness. And the way to avoid covetousness is to be content, to learn to be generous so that we're not in a place of upset about what we don't have, but rather we're in a place of being content with what we do have and our hearts are generous. Notice with me in Chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And we learn that as the Hebrews were wrestling with the reality of this new difficulty in following their Messiah, Even some of them thinking about going back to Judaism, going back to formal religion, or in a very real sense, turning their back on Jesus, that one of the things they're supposed to watch out for is their hearts and the covetousness that's in their hearts. Wanting what someone else has to the point that they're willing to take it, even if by force. He says, no, 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 don't go there. Be careful. Because in difficult times, difficult things arise in our lives. Well, we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today to be reminded and see from a different angle the importance of generosity in our lives. And I know that when we begin to talk about from the pulpit on the topics of giving and generosity, it's a very sensitive topic. Unfortunately, but it's true. 
It shouldn't be so sensitive. I I mean, for example, if, if you are a generous giver, you're a generous giver in your life and your tithes and your offerings with people. Then when you hear a Bible study like this, you're like, give it on. Come on, keep it coming. I love to give. I understand generosity. Teach me how to do it better. Teach me the, the heart of the matter. But if, if you're not a giver, if you're not a giver, then a message like this can be offensive. You can read into it mixed motives. You can be all upset about it. I, I mean, I, start, I started thinking too, maybe this is your first time ever in this church. Your first time. You just tune on for the very first time online, and there it is. You knew it was coming. Here it is. Here we are, honey, another church, and all they want is our money. There it is. And you've got the elbows in the side and go, here it is, another church just wanting your money. Let me cite the record straight here. We do not want your money. Keep it. Keep it. It's your money. It's God would given to you. What you do with it is between you and the Lord. No, here at Calvary, we've been in, the, so check this out. We've been in the book of, the, of, of Hebrews for two and a half years. And we just happen to be on this verse the day you walk in. And you know what that means? This was perfect timing for you. <laughs> this was the appointment of God to talk about such a sensitive subject. It shouldn't be. It's too bad because over the years, people have been taken advantage of by pulpits and pastors. People have been taken advantage of by those on the radio or televangelists. Somehow equating your relationship with God with your money and how much you give. And I want to publicly apologize for those ministries that have taken advantage of you. It's wrong. It's not the heart of God. But you know, it's not a 21st century issue. The issue is from us from the beginning. There, there is this tendency in our lives to be tight-fisted. We learned that last time. Nobody worships like this. When Pastor Ian asked us to raise our hands, nobody lifted them tight-fisted. At least I didn't notice anyone. But rather when we lift our hands to God and worship, our hands are open because that's symbolic. It's symbolic of, I'm ready to receive from you, God. I surrender to you, God. I am ready to, to all that you have for me, I want to receive it. And therefore, I let go so that I might receive. And the same is true when it comes to the money and possessions and things that God entrusts to us. It's just too bad that when you hear a Bible study on giving or tithing or offerings or generosity, that you automatically turn it off, and you shouldn't. You should listen closely. You should get to the edge of your seat. You should pay attention with all fervency of what God wants to do in releasing this new grace and gift in your life. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's so important that I believe in the life of our church in the current difficulties that we've been facing that we are reminded again of the generosity that God wants to develop in and through our lives. With affliction comes deeper generosity. I, I know it's counterintuitive. <laughs> it's very counterintuitive. When difficult times come, we tend to circle the wagons. We tend to protect what little we have left. But the Bible is here to remind you that in times of great difficulty, you might see that God will give you a greater generous heart, not a lesser one. That your heart will now be connected with other hurting. Now that you've been hurt. Now that you've gone through it. Now that you're struggling. Your heart is like, man, if anyone else is struggling, I want to help them. I want to bless them in Jesus' name. I want to be used by God in these last days. And that's what's happening here in chapter 8. 
Now, if you want to study more on this, when we went through verse by verse in Corinthians here, 2 Corinthians, we did a whole series on giving. And you can go to our app or our website, and those are all posted there to help you understand the heart of giving. But I want to do a flyover here on these verses to tie them together with the heart of where we are in Hebrews, because generosity is so important. And we are at a point in time like never before in history, in our country, in our lives, where generosity can just flourish among us as the church. And I really believe, let me just say this at the outset, I really believe generosity will be the language of reaching a lost world. Because you know how the world is just pointing the finger at the church right now. They're just greedy. They're just full of hypocrites. They're filled with hate and all the accusations. And if you choose to take that head on, you're not going to win. This is, we're not going to make any progress. Oh, we're not. You're hateful. We're not hateful. You're hateful. We're not hateful. And before you know it, you look a lot like you're hateful trying to prove your point. But I'll tell you what will get behind all of that. I'll tell you that we'll, we'll sneak right under that is the generous, loving heart of Jesus through your life. I mean, it's really hard for someone to say, you're so hateful when you're helping them, <laughs> when you're serving them, when you're blessing them. How? In Jesus' name. And, and all it requires is for you to step out in faith. I mean, I love being able to share on Sundays because Saturdays I get feedback uh, from the message already on Saturday night. So a brother came up last night and just kind of shared how he took me up on the last time I shared about going to Starbucks. You know, he'd already participated in that, hey, pay for the drink behind me kind of thing. And he's always done that whenever it's on social media or, or in times where he just felt like he wanted to do that. You know, he kind of said, I always did that pay it forward kind of thing. But I took you up and I, and I learned something he shared. He said, so he went to Starbucks and he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the guy the behind me, whoever's behind me, whatever they order. But, but he learned something as he took it. He did it in Jesus' name this time. And he says, you know what? There is a new relationship with the person in the window, in the window, the barista and the person taking my order as now he's asking them to do that. So he said, can you just tell the person behind me that, that the person that I paid for the drink and I paid for the drink in Jesus' name. And now the guy in the window or the guy in the window becomes a messenger of the gospel for him. And there's a new relationship with him. He's always in that Starbucks. So it's going to be repetitive. And now he's learning that God is taking him into greater levels of faith because you know what he said? I'm sure you feel the same way. He said, man, Ed, it was awkward. I said, I know it's awkward. It's weird. Like who does that? Who does what you did? You do. But I said, once you get past the awkwardness, it's so cool, isn't it? He goes, yes. And you know, for 10 bucks, whatever it was, let's say 10, 15 bucks, God launched this brother into the realm of faith. He went from one level to the next. For what? 10 bucks. I think that was worth 10 bucks to me. And he's got a new relationship. And then who knows what God's going to do in the car behind him? Who knows what happens? But now he's in that realm. And for him, that was generous. That was a big step for him. And God is just doing that in our lives. Now, now notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And there's going to be an offering, a financial offering that's going to be collected and taken to help the poor hurting church in Jerusalem. That's what Paul's talking about here. So he uses another church as an example to get them to keep their commitment. So notice verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Notice right away a couple of things. Number one, notice that this is a church that's in a great trial of affliction. 
in verse 2, a great trial. They, they, they are hurting deeply in their personal lives because of their relationship with Jesus. They are in a great trial of affliction, number one. Number two, notice that they're also in deep poverty, deep poverty. They're not just in affliction. They're in a great trial of affliction. They're not just poor or in poverty. They're in great poverty. So you got affliction and you have poverty. Those two together, notice what they sandwich. They sandwich on one side and the other side, the abundance of their joy. This is a church, and that could be a whole different Bible study, to look at how sandwiched between great tribal affliction and deep poverty is joy, an abundance of joy. Not circumstantial. Their circumstances are horrible. But in their vertical relationship with God, they're filled with joy. And what happens? Well, they're going through it. They are finding themselves in a deep pit that they probably will never get out of financially, but they abounded in the riches of their liberality. They were generous givers. That's another way of saying they were generous givers. The need of the hurting church in Jerusalem was put before them, and they gave. They gave liberally. Notice at the end there that word liberality. Circle it. It, it means... It speaks to us of faithful, benevolent, and sincere. Don't think of this word as much, don't think of it as much as amount, like the amount, like they gave this massive amount of money. Think of it more along the lines of ability and circumstances. Like they gave, they gave in a wonderful, joyful way compared to their circumstances. Because God sees all of the circumstances that are in this room today. Some of you, some of you are very well off. God has blessed you financially in every way. And God has blessed you in your career. God has blessed you in your education. God's blessed you in your finances. And you, you are uh, over and above a blessed people. Some of you, uh, you struggle. You're in deep poverty today. Maybe you lost your job this, this year, and maybe you got a pay cut, cutting hours, and all. Some of you have two income homes, and you're barely able to make it. Like everyone's circumstances here is recognized by God, all of us. Nobody's ignored. Everyone is being recognized. And yet, all of us can be generous. That's the point here. All of us can be generous. Now, you know here... In our church, if you've been here long enough, you know that in our fellowship family, we take a rather low-key approach to money. We believe in tithing, and we believe in supporting the work of this church, and we also believe in supporting the work of other churches. Some churches just aren't, aren't able to make budget. They're not able to provide for all the... There are other churches that are struggling, like Jerusalem, even like Macedonia. And we feel as a church family that we have an obligation to help them. And we can't help everyone, but we can do something. And that's our approach. Because we've learned over the years, it's been a principle handed down to us, that you can't outgive God. You just simply can't do it. You cannot outgive the generosity of God. And there's great joy when we give. You know, because there's an atmosphere when we start talking about giving and generosity, you know, it's like, oh, there you are. You know, there must be, the church must be hurting right now. It must be, so now we got to pull out our giving message. No, that's not how we operate around here. We go through the Bible. We teach through the topics that are there. When they come up in our regular Bible study, and we pray. 
Because there's another side, you know, to the church today. You might even see it on so-called Christian television today where they'll look, there'll be guys looking right into the camera and go, okay, pay attention. I just want you to know, if you don't give today, our ministry might disappear. And they make it sound like God is broke, like he went bankrupt or something and he filed bankruptcy and then everything depends upon you. Listen, nothing depends upon you. God owns everything. He has all the cattle on a thousand hills. And I look at sometimes I'll come across these guys that are begging on the, and you know, don't take this and edit it to make it sound like I said that. It's a bigger message, okay? Just so you know. So as, you, as they look at the camera, I'm looking at them, they go, you know, if you don't give, we might disappear. We might go away. You know what I yell at the TV? Go away. <laughs> you don't beg and manipulate and guilt people into giving. That sets up, not only is it wrong and sinful, but it also sets up this resentment, even buyer's remorse. You know, it could even do, it could even, it could even lead to you giving in such a way through pressure and guilt that you don't take care of your own stuff and your own family. Because there is a genuine sincerity in our hearts to obey God. And it's not to be messed with. You don't you don't take advantage of the sheep of God. You don't mess with the bride of Christ, man. It just doesn't have that. You don't do that, although a lot of people do. It's not, it's not God's heart. But giving is a big part, a big part of the Bible, you know. It's a big part of you. Like, like, like in a message like this, you know, if you are a giver, as I mentioned, you, you want to hear this. If you're not a giver, then you're just upset about it all. But you're missing out on what God has for you. The Bible's filled with teaching on money and possessions. For example, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels alone, one out of every 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than two thousand verses on money and possessions. And let me just say, that is, that is, how you handle your money is often reflective of how you handle your life. How you handle your money is often reflective of how you handle your life. Because there will be times as we're going through some deep issues, some deep circumstance, some deep thing that the Lord will just impress upon me to stop the whole conversation and look the guy in the eye or look the couple in the eye and go, do you give? What? What does that have to do with it? Just, I, I don't need to know how much or any of that. I don't need, just, do, are you givers? Uh, well, yeah, you know, we haven't, been, we haven't been doing it for years. It's reflective in your life. And it often becomes a breakthrough to show them, because think about it, giving is so easy. It is so easy. You know how in life so many things happen to us, so many things happen around us, so much is outside of our control, that if you try to chase it all down and put these fires out and do that, like it's so, it could be so complicated and hard, but giving is so easy. Many of you can just take out a checkbook and write it out, no problem. You, you can just go online and have it set up automatically. Yes, the question came up last time. Should I give on my gross or on my net? You give on your first fruits. You don't give after the government gets theirs. You don't give after the 401k. You don't give. A, no, you give of your first fruits. It's so easy. And the government knows you have a hard time with that. That's why they take it right out without asking you. God doesn't do that. 
That's not God. That's not reflective of the heart of God. He doesn't do that. He's not going to take from you. He'll receive from you, but he's not going to take it from you. You see, these churches were hurting, and the Corinthians, they needed to understand that as hard as it was for them, those guys in Macedonia, they were encouraging. Their, their giving was encouraging because they gave out of deep affliction and deep poverty. But they were filled with joy, and the joy of the Lord was their strength. And they obeyed God, not because of their poverty, not because they were in great affliction. They obeyed God because God filled them with joy. And whatever station in life you are today, God is wanting you to be generous. He wants us to be generous, whether you're poor or rich. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed, today you recalled a church that was generous at a time of great affliction, and I couldn't help but think of where we're at right now as a nation. Now, as you look back on the pandemic and how God's people have responded, what observations have you made in this area of generosity? Well, you know, Larry, the, the issue of trials and difficulties like the pandemic, uh, like the things that we've been facing this last year and a half, trials always reveal. Uh, they don't create necessarily what's in a person. They reveal. And there has been a tremendous revelation of love, care, and support throughout the body of Christ when it comes to generosity. And I just want to say publicly thank you uh, for you as a believer honoring God with your resources during a difficult time. Uh, I know it's been difficult. People have lost their jobs. Uh, people have lost portions of their income. They have been pressed and tried and, and really wrestling with the new realities of our culture today. And God's people, you know, here at Calvary, uh, God's people have been very faithful in giving. They've been very faithful in serving. Uh, I'll give you one example, one simple, simple example. Um, we have a brother in our church, Bruce, who every year sets up a, a corn-picking event. I, I know it sounds funny, but it's not. It's, it's amazing. A corn-picking event where uh, his company provides the seed and a farmer provides the land, and then you organize all these families to go out and hand-pick this acre or two of corn and donate it to an organization here in town called the Food Bank of the Rockies. And every year... Um, for 10 years, our church has participated in that, and, and it's just a beautiful thing you can do as a single person, you can do as a family, and I forget the exact number. I'd have to look it up. I should have probably looked it up before we started these questions, but uh, the email update I got this year from Bruce is that they picked more uh, corn this year than any other year. They, they surpassed not only their goal, but they surpassed every other year previous and, you know, that, that's just a simple example of, of God's people, uh, along with many others, saying, we want to be a light and we want to be, we want to have an effect in our community. We, we want to help feed those that have a need. And, and I know that picking corn doesn't sound like all that significant of an event, but I want, I want you to know it is. Whatever you do in the name of the Lord is significant. And I'm, I'm encouraged by the generosity. I mean, you, you as a body of Christ uh, have risen to the occasion, 
And I think the occasions are going to continue to come our way, Larry, uh, to rise to so that the name of Jesus will be glorified through the life of his body, his family, the church. So rise up, church, and be faithful. Thanks for sharing that, Ed. Maybe you've noticed the enemy is constantly trying to fill your mind with destructive thoughts. It could be fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, or temptation. But you can win this battle of your mind, and author Louis Giglio explains how in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. calvaryco.store. It's your generous gift that allows us to provide Bible teaching on stations like this one all across the country. It's not the size of your contribution that matters. Large or small, it's making a difference by God's abounding grace. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 